Here in the sanctuary, if you'd like to follow along, it's on page 108 of your New Testament. But hear these words from the book that we love. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him. For now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then starting at verse 12, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me of anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So far the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we ask that you would gift us with your spirit this morning, that you will bless the reading of this word, and that through the spirit it will be Christ's word to us. These deep, meaningful words of assurance that in your kingdom we will be with you forever. Help us to find that assurance in this place, in our lives, and in all that is to come that is still before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I ever told you guys how I want to die? I, I know that's an odd thing, but uh, you know, as I turned 40 this year, as I was going into 40, and I thought about hopefully what's the next half of my life, I found it very empowering to sort of picture it. Like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And so I pictured the very end of it. And here's what I figured out. This is what I want my death to look like. I want to die in an explosion. I know, that sounds very odd, and trust me, that's the response I get most of the time. People kind of go, huh? But here's, here's why. Uh, this is what I want. I want to get to retire. If I, get to, don't, if I die before I get to spend all the money you guys have been putting away for me for retirement, I'm going to be very upset. So I want to go, and I want to retire, and I want to live well, and on the day that money is gone, instead of going into a place where I have to worry about it and think about it all the time or have health issues or anything else, I just want to be in a place somewhere where pff, it's over. I know it still may seem odd, but think about it this way. Everything I've learned before I was a minister and as a minister makes sense to me in this. Here's the things that this plan has going for it, okay? Number one. I'm not afraid of death. One of the very first moments of my life when I considered mortality for this first time, and I remember this was in junior high, and I was sitting with a youth group sponsor who said something that I think is very true, still true to me to, me to this day. He said, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of dying. 
And I think that's really true. As a minister, I can tell you, I've sat with many people as they grieve the ones they have lost recently, you know, right before the funeral. And it is easy in that moment to reassure them. I don't know if you realize this. It's easy to reassure people in that moment that they are going to a place where it's going to be okay. Like John says about how uh, Jesus says to us in it that we will go to a place to be with God. Most people believe that. When we read 1 Corinthians this morning as our prayer of confession, it really does come down to that. There's only two options. Either we're right and that we are going to receive glory with God forever, or we're doing this in vain, at which point it doesn't matter. But I am not afraid of death because it's either one or the other. Either I don't exist or I exist in glory. Still not afraid of death. Dying, on the other hand. Who wants to suffer? Who wants to be in pain? Who wants to spend the last moments in this life agonizing? I can't imagine anybody does. I don't think that makes me abnormal. A lot of people will say they want to die in their sleep. Okay, I know this is kind of a joke, but I'm like, well, at least the cremation should be paid for. So you get blown up, and there, it's done. Just move on. I know it's morbid, but still, like people who want to die in their sleep, I don't want the suffering. And the other thing that it has become also clear to me in becoming a minister that I hadn't considered, but I, when I hear people talk, is this. I'm not afraid of death. I am naturally afraid of dying. And I don't want to give up life. You understand the difference? I don't want to die. I, I don't want, I'm not afraid of death but I don't want to give up living. When you hear people say things as they're going through treatments, through their illnesses, as they fight to stay alive, what is it they often say? I want to see my kids grow up. I want to be there for them. In other words, I don't want to give up on life. I don't think a lot of people are afraid of death. I think that's the truth. They don't want to give up on life. And even when they don't want to go through the dying or the suffering, they will accept that if it means they have more life. For those of you who are here this morning, have you considered why you showed up today? Because even as late as last night, I was hemming and hawing whether or not we should cancel. There is certainly a lot going on in our world today, and it's happened really fast. My life was completely normal until Wednesday afternoon. From Wednesday until now, everything has changed. Everything that I thought was going to be normal has changed. And so even last night, as I'm considering that we need to build a wall of immunity for people who are sick, I'm not sick, and I think about that, I thought maybe we shouldn't be here. But then I realized why I am here, and. It's that same list about living that applies to dying. I'm not afraid of death. In the midst of whatever scares us, and certainly with a pandemic going on, there's lots to be afraid of, it is reassuring to sort of plant my flag in the ground and say, no, I believe in Christ victorious. I said that last week, and I, hopefully now you get it even more after this week. We all need a Christ. We all need somebody who we know is triumphant, who can save us. So it feels good to say, I'm not afraid of death. 
I also don't want to give up on living. Since Wednesday afternoon, whether you fall into the camp where you say this is all an overreaction or you fall into the camp where you say, no, we all need to react now, life has changed. I hope it's not for long, but it has changed. Wednesday afternoon, I still thought there was going to be a meatloaf dinner last night. And I still thought there was going to be worship this morning and confirmation this afternoon and a classes meeting next week. And there was going to be a pancake supper. I was still going to have my biology class. All that stuff was still as late as Wednesday afternoon. I knew what life was. And one shift after another after another, it's been taken away. And I can deal with that. But like anybody who's ever said, I'm not ready to give up on life, I just, I'm just, i still not ready to give up on life. Maybe we shouldn't be here this morning. But I'm sorry, I just wasn't ready to give up the last thing that has meaning that was still here. This was the one thing that was still normal that I could count on. So I'm here. For all of those of you who are at home, who are watching this on Facebook, God bless you. You made a good decision. But I needed to be here. I'm not ready to give up on living. I don't think you are either. The math is different. I go home and I have a dog. I don't have to worry about my family members and the immunity that immediately I am creating for them. And as I have said to everyone here this morning, I don't know what's coming. That's what we have to accept. We don't know. I sat on my bio, in my biology class on Thursday today after it had been announced that everything would go on, on online education after spring break. And I watched as this group of kids who are all 18 years old showed up and you know, they, for a half an hour they asked question after question about what are we gonna do? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this? And part of me said, it's been two months. You finally paid attention and cared what was going on in this class? And I also thought to myself, how many different ways can the professor say to you very graciously, I don't know. We don't know what we don't know. I don't know if we're gonna be here next week. I don't know if we're gonna go straight to Facebook Live. I don't know if this is all gonna be over. I hope that this all, all of this can end as soon as possible. We don't know what we don't know. And we've all gotta figure that out, where we need to be for ourselves I don't know what the math is for tomorrow. I know today I can still be here. And, and it all still makes sense. I'm not afraid of death. I'm here because I'm not ready to give up on my life as I know it. That's why we read that pandemic poem this morning. Maybe in the next couple of days we can shift into seeing this change as a Sabbath, something we actually can embrace, but we don't know. And then there's the part where I don't want to go through suffering or pain. We have been warned the dying is coming. I hope that's not true. But if the dying is coming, here's what I do know. When you sit with somebody in grief, it's easy to reassure them that the person they love is in heaven. That is something people are not afraid to believe. But you may not believe this, but it's really hard to convince people in that moment that they did the dying with them correctly. People often wonder in that midst, did I do everything I could? Did I help them? Did I support them? Did I love them? How did we get here? And they are constantly questioning themselves, did I do the dying part right? 
because none of us want to go through the dying. Again, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know if we should be here. I'm not, no, I don't know if we're doing the dying right. But this is the place where I come when I don't know things. When I really don't want to deal with the dying, this is the place I come. So we're here. We're here, and the future will unfold as it does. When we talk in the Apostles' Creed about Jesus' resurrection, doesn't any of this make sense? We come from his death into the promise of new life. Of course, everything I've said so far, honestly, we should have waited for next week. Because next week is going to be about uh, Jesus going and sitting at the right hand of God, and then he's going to judge the living and the dead, the quick and the dead. That's the part of the story that becomes about us and how we respond to everything that God has done. We had a talk about it this morning. I think we have to start dealing with what is going on in the world together here. But actually, what we need to talk about today, what the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension is really about, it's about him. It's his part of the story. He died, but he rose again. If you've ever considered that song about what a friend we have in Jesus, just stop and think about today as that. Whatever else is going on, Jesus died and our friend got to live. And he gets to, think about it in these terms, he got to go home. If there's something in John that you need to understand, it's this. Jesus gives us a vision of the kingdom of God. And the Bible gives us lots of visions of those kingdoms of God, right? The, the golden streets, the land flowing with milk and honey, the promise of uh, being with the angels. Here in John, all of that picture stuff is sort of brought down to just two basic ideas. The kingdom of God is Jesus gets to go home gets to go home to his dad. The trinity of love, that's what we believe in. We believe in the trinity of love, that the word that God spoke over chaos and created order at the beginning of time, that was Jesus. And then that part of God, that spoken word, became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus. And then in his ascension, he gets to go back. He had a mission. He had to leave. And then he comes back. Aren't you just happy for the friend you have in Jesus that he gets to go home after everything he went through? See, in, in John, that's the picture. Jesus keeps saying, I am with my father and my father is with me. Today, we just celebrate for him. He got to go home. All the pain and suffering is over. The dying is over. The promise of death and new life is what he's experiencing. But also in John, on this day when we, we celebrate with him, you also need to know that Jesus never made it about him. We're trying to make it about him, to not make it about us for a minute and understand what it meant for him, but he never did that. All the way through John, he says, uh, this is for you. This is for you. I want to go back. I want to have union with God, and I want you to have union with God, too. I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is the moment where we need to remember the Jesus uh, who met the woman at the well. He meets a woman at noon, 
which is not the right time of day to be getting water from the well. Women went early in the morning when it was still cool. But he meets a woman at the well at the wrong time of day, and he does something that I'm sure shocked her. He had told her something about herself that she knew that he, she would not have expected a stranger to know, that she's had five husbands. And hearing that, we should understand why she's there by herself, because you did not get to be a woman with five husbands in the ancient world. You were an outcast. That's why she's there at noon. And then Jesus shows up in her life, and she doesn't have to keep it a secret. He knows her. And he's still sitting there with her. He's still calling her friend. You know, the Jesus who can calm the storms also brings healing into our own lives. That's how he used his hand. And think of the healing that comes for that woman as she goes home. All that little fears that ever have wound up in our brain saying, if people really knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. Jesus just takes all that away from her. I know everything about you. And I'm right here. Jesus has always valued that we would get to be with him, no matter who you are. Knowing you completely, he chose that. Or consider the woman at the temple who, uh, when everybody else is crowding in around Jesus and they want healing from him, they've come to him for that, that transaction. She's walking through the temple, bent over in pain. And it's like she's just given up and accepted that healing is not going to be for her. She doesn't look up, she doesn't pay attention to him, and he goes and finds her, and he heals her. He's always wanted us by his side, even when we don't believe that it's for us anymore. This is the Jesus who is not just about salvation. Yes, he is about salvation, but he is also about standing with Martha and Mary at the grave of their brother Lazarus. And what did he do? He cried. Because it's not just about some transaction of us getting saved. It is about the fact that he loves and he cares. And today... In his resurrection and ascension, there is supposed to be this celebratory thing that our friend has had to taste death. He has had to go through the dying, and now it's better. Aren't you happy for him? It's that gratitude that is supposed to compel us on as Christians. The dying he went through was excruciating, right? The dying that he went through was shameful. It was Rome's way of trying to put down any insurgents, trying to make everybody watch something horrible happen and make everybody run away from the person who is being put to death as a criminal. It was excruciating. It was shameful. And Jesus went through it for us. Have you ever considered that maybe Jesus was torn? That's sort of the way I picture the, the week that he is going through his passion from uh, Palm Sunday into that Easter event through his death and then Easter, that feeling of being torn. Of course he wants to go home. He wants to go back to that trinity of love from which he came. He also wants to stay with us. Why did he ascend? Why didn't he stay here on earth and continue to rule from his own throne in Jerusalem after his resurrection? 
Maybe he felt torn between staying with us and being there. Whatever it was that compelled Jesus, I think we need to take away this as his disciples. Jesus' answer was never escape from dying. He never chose loyalty over one or the other. He chose both God and us. And what that meant for him is that he had to go through the dying. He was not ever really ready to give up on life, but he knew that he had to go through the dying to get there for all of us. And he chose that path. When he says in John that we should follow after him, we need to remember that religion is not about escaping anything. It's about knowingly going through the pain. Because it's worth it. I keep thinking to myself, I need to make a plaque and hang it on my fridge. And I think I still will. It, it needs to say something like, what you're going through is really hard. But that's okay. Because you know how to do hard things. And in Jesus' own life, that's exactly what he did. He went through something really hard. But that's okay, because he knows how to do hard things for you, for me, and for God. So that in the end, nobody loses. Nobody's separated. Nobody's in isolation. And everybody is together in union. That is his vision of the kingdom of God. That is what he worked for in us. And I hope when you hear resurrection of the dead, whatever it means to you, you just remember it means joy for him. Joy for him. It's not about us today. But of course, Jesus never made that distinction about it's not about us. What he did ask is to take all that gratitude that we have, if we do love him, if we are happy for his resurrection, and then to follow after him. He calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, so often we think of those words as some sort of exclusionary act, right? Like he's saying he's the only one. You've got to believe in him. And Okay, that's one way to think about that passage. I also want you to think about it the way, say, somebody in AA thinks about the bright golden line. Have you ever heard of that? The bright golden line? That if you're driving at night and it's foggy and it's dark and you are scared because you don't know where to go, what do you look for on the road? The bright golden line. And as Jesus is facing down his death in this passage and he's facing down everything that's to come and he's uh, talking to all his people about what is coming next, he gives us that bright golden line and he says it in a way that says, you don't need to worry about anything else. You need to know this. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you forever. I am going to a place, and I'm going to bring you with me. The bright golden line this morning of everything else that can go on in the world, everything else can fall apart, and our lives can change radically in the days to come, and that's the bright golden line we follow. We are not afraid of death. We plant our flags so that we can still have life. It might have to change a lot, but we are not giving up on life. And if we have to walk through dying like Jesus did, even though it scares us, we think that we're maybe doing it right, maybe we're doing it wrong, we don't know. But we will walk through the dying as he did. 
in closing let me just say this you know in john here there's a lot of this thing about jesus saying i'm going to have union with you and with god and i'm going to bring you all together the final union with god is his picture of the kingdom of god but then he ends it in this very very risky way he says to us his disciples whatever you pray for i'm going to give you can you imagine if anybody has ever lived on this earth who knows what a risk that is, it should be Jesus. He knows better than any of us how you do not just let human beings get whatever they want. And yet he says it to us. And then he follows it up. And I think what he's saying to us is, I'm going to give you whatever you want because I trust you. You're my disciples. You're going to follow my commandments. And the heart that I give you is the heart that's going to ask for things. And I trust that that heart is going to want the things that I want as well. When we go back out into our lives today and in the coming weeks, we will still have lots of decisions to make as we watch the events of this world unfold. I think it was important this morning that we make it clear we do not need to be afraid of death. We can fight for life, even when it changes. And we are capable of walking through the dying. And in that, the heart of gratitude for Christ who gives that to us, I pray that we will make decisions with the same kind of trust, the same kind of thoughtfulness in which Jesus said, whatever you pray for, I will give you because I trust you. So let's prayerfully and thoughtfully walk from this place with the confidence that comes from knowing Christ is victorious and make the decisions that says, what's in me is following him. Let us pray. Oh, heavenly God, we thank you this morning that you sent Jesus to the world. He is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the Christ who is victorious Whatever comes next, whatever decisions we make, whatever we have to encounter, God, be by our sides and put within our hearts and within our vision that Christ, victorious, who will guide us into all the ways to be like him and to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's stand and sing our next hymn, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. It's number 289.